Hey, I wanted to let you know I am releasing a book this spring, this April, actually. It's my very first book, and it is so near and dear to my heart. It's called Sexless in the City, a sometimes sassy, sometimes painful, always honest look at dating, desire, and sex. And I truly believe it will encourage and equip you to navigate faith, desire, intimacy, and relationships free from shame and fear and with a holistic and biblical vision. I would be so grateful if you snagged a copy. You can actually pre-order it right now on amazon.com or Kindle, Audible, Barnes & Noble, or honestly, anywhere you purchase books. When you pre-order it, please send me an email at social at therefinedwoman.com because I would love to send you some free goodies and resources as a thank you. All right, let's get to the podcast. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and thank you so much for being here today. First up, a special shout out to my Patreon community. Y'all are just showing up. Thank you so much for your continued support, you guys. I'm just really, really grateful that you believe in this podcast and you your support each month helps keep the Refined Collective podcast moving forward and in existence. So thank you. Thank you. Y'all are the bomb.com. If you're interested in joining my Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective and you can sign up for as little as $5 a month. And fun fact, when you join my Patreon community, you get access to weekly videos that I drop every week, just only for my Patreon people. So I talk about everything from my own personal dating life to how to have adult friendships to should I date a spiritual leader? And here's what my home looks like this week. So come join us over at Patreon. And secondly, we are still a few weeks out from my book launch. So thank you. If you have pre-ordered my book, Bless Your Ministry, thank you so much. And if you are interested in pre-ordering my book, first of all, it helps me out so much. Um, go to sexlessinthecitybook.com and you can pre-order. You can get your pre-order goodies. I have a free journaling resource guide that goes along with my book that you get when you pre-order. I have a discount code to my shop when you pre-order and you instantly get access to the first two chapters of my book. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's get into today's episode. These two women are no strangers to you guys. I <laughs> One of them has been on 
multiple, multiple times. And the other, at least once, maybe twice, I can't remember. But we have Carrie Lloyd, who is pastor and host of the Carry On podcast and author of many books like the book Prude, Misconceptions of a Neo-Virgin, The Virgin Monologues, and her latest book, might be my favorite book that she has written so far, The Noble Renaissance, Reclaiming the Lost Virtue of Nobility. And then we have my girl, Kate Warman, relationship coach, host of the Heart of Dating podcast. You know her well. She is the author of Thank You for Rejecting Me. And we're doing a three-part series, one interview on each of our podcasts, and we're all hitting on a, a hot button topic in dating today in our culture. Kate is talking about scarcity mindset and casual dating. On Carrie's podcast, we're talking about some of our own personal best and worst dating stories and embracing singlehood and other fun stuff. And today, you know me, I'm going to ask the hard questions. We're talking about dating and is it a sin to date a guy that's not a Christian? And what do we do with the reality that there are more women in the church than men? So let's freaking get to it. What's up, ladies? <laughs> Hello, darling. Can I have the what English accent right yeah, now? I mean, Hello, darling. Oh, my gosh. Hello. Oh, my gosh. You're just so I fancy. I could like this, like the queen. How <laughs> lovely to be here. Oh, my gosh. Please do. <laughs> all I really want like is for Carrie to just be talking at all times. I, do that's what people know. say to me with the podcast. They're literally like, we're so, we really enjoy listening to your podcast and we always put it on just before we go to sleep. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's not intended for a sleep. It's not a sleeping device. It's, <laughs> it's meant to be actually gaining and listening to my words. But whatever so makes you happy, whatever yeah. makes you as long as I'm a gift in your you world. You know, as long, <laughs> as long as it's a blessing to you. I honestly think about this all the time, which I don't know what that says about me, but why is it that... Oh, this is true. I know what you're going to say. The English accent is so beautiful. And and what's the history of Americans just not sounding as cool? Or is it we just want what we don't have? But I don't think it's that because I feel as though every other country, I mean, especially, hello, 2021, doesn't have a high view of America. But they're not trying to... When they recreate our accent, it's like, to make fun. Yeah. It's but like we are recreating the British accent because we think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Yes. Why? Why? It's also for me in dating. When Carrie's I quiet. meet a guy who's like, I don't share with you like, how my country feels about America right now. Like, just <laughs> give us this is real ABC talk. News, you have the permission. Okay? I love you when guys are at in America right I love now. you for who you are. I love you. But you make a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. But you're also the worst. So <laughs> I love you and you're the worst. No, but you guys, when it comes to dating, this is it. Like I meet a British man and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's not even attractive, but he suddenly is attractive. You know what I'm welcome. saying? I'm like, oh my gosh, like, hello. You know? But if he had an American accent, accent, I'd be like, meh. We should do it. We should a do good accent a covers difference. a multitude of sins. <laughs> Non-Christian British what did you say? Heck yes. <laughs> we should do a podcast yes. on the difference between American and British dating at some point. Oh, oh my goodness. Can we just do a mini TED Talk? Let's do a two-minute mm. TED Talk. Okay. Carrie, what is your experience of dating American men? And then, Kate, we can share our experiences of British men. Oh, 
American Two men are, have beautiful teeth. <laughs> and, beautiful uh, teeth. Beautiful teeth. Lots of good dental work. Um, <laughs> but I do find, it sounds like I date like 85-year-old men in England. Um, but no, the thing for me is uh, there's a beautiful flattery. They're much more emotionally expressive in America mm. than they are in England. We're a lot mm. more reserved. However, the flattery doesn't necessarily always show the gestures sometimes overrides the commitment of where they're at. So in mm. England, someone described it like this going, we actually take a long time to warm up, but once you're in, you're in and mm. we're you're in for life. Yeah. Whereas in America, when it comes to dating, there was, I, I really had to not judge where someone was at with me with that, even with their actions or with their words, mm-hmm. because it didn't necessarily mean that this was as serious or as committed as I thought it was. Wow. So that's been a journey I've had to navigate differently on both sides of the equation. Uh, it's harder to get communicative um, thoughts from guys in England because we're so much more reserved. Um, Americans are much more expressive, which in some ways makes it a lot safer. That was way over two minutes. No, that was amazing. I love that. And honestly, you say that. And I think of one of the reasons why I loved living in New York for so long, as opposed to the South Mm. where I grew up is pretense is an art form in the South. You know, I realized in New York, I would much rather someone say F you to my face than my what I grew up wow. in the South yeah, was. Yeah. Oh, bless your heart. You are so cute. You are so nice. I love that dress on you. And then yeah. they go behind your back yeah, and yeah. talk all Awful. the mess. And so it's interesting that's you, you were saying that and I was shaking my head. Yes, yeah. that's totally so, a cultural thing that we do here. Yeah. A lot less trust I've noticed mm-hmm. actually, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Even though we feel colder, there's a lot mm. more trust over there potentially mm. than there is on dating on this side of the equation, on the West Coast, especially. I think there's a little bit less of that on the East side of America mm. because we have so many more influence than we, as if we influence the, the East Coast of America. We don't, not these days, but there is just a little bit more um, of that I've noticed in New York and that area than, yeah. I've that experienced a lot of directness from British men when mm. I've been over there, had encounters. And I actually, I appreciate that. Like yeah. directness. I want to ask you out. I want to take you out. Mm. And I'm like, really? This is great. Like I feel clear and they're, they're direct and versus, yeah, in America, sometimes, you know, it's more flattery. And yeah. I'm like, that feels nice. I like that. It's yeah. affirming, but I, are you even going to ask me out or are you just <laughs> like kind of wasting my time by giving me all these compliments and it's not going to go anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's my brief 15 second experience. I would say. I love that. I (laughs) may, I feel like sometimes I wonder if I've become a cynical New York girl, (laughs) but I, I've had all these experiences dating in New York over the last almost 10 years now. And I, this, first of all, everything I'm about to say is general, you know, I'm, I'm stereotyping, I'm brush general brushstroke. But my experience with British guys in New York, at least, has been they're kind of F boys. They know that the accent. When you say F, you mean French. (laughs) French boys. (laughs) No, because those French boys. I love a French boy. We love a French boy. We love a whole other conversation. I love the French boys. (laughs) Oh, the French boys. No, what I've experienced is it was, it's almost as if they know that their British accent is a panty dropper for us American girls. Hmm. And so. Oh, wow. I have the. I have been more hesitant to go out with guys that are British and cute 
because first of all, there's a mile long of girls in line waiting to (laughs) get their attention. And I've seen, I just haven't had great experiences, whether in the church or meeting on a dating app, I've felt, oh, you're just playing the field because why aren't you? Why wouldn't you be? You have 3 million women who don't care about your heart or your mind. They just say, read me a bedtime story. And it doesn't matter if you're not a good dude. It's love actually. The guy who comes to the US and has the three girls. Totally. Totally. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're about. And so I think maybe my, I've maybe more had a stereotypical experience in New York of dating a British guy that's in finance, that's in New York on a visa, Mm. having his fun, getting bottle service and just... (laughs) Being an F boy. May I take this opportunity to apologize on behalf of my country <laughs> for being so terrible at dating? And I, I actually can believe that because I hear and I actually I think that I think they know you're exactly right. They know exactly what they're doing when they come over and they're like, gosh, girls really like us when we're over there. <laughs> and there's this whole nother person in me, and I'm like, I'm thinking you're a friend of mine. I don't think you'd be very nice over there. You should probably mm. stay back in England and be... <laughs> it's a bit like no one cares. But, but why don't they? There are 10 in America and maybe yeah. there are two in America. <laughs> yeah. In London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, ladies. We. I want to talk about a question that I'm actually really sick of talking about. Mm. The question, where are all the good godly men? And I know each of us has answered this on our respective channels. And I want to approach this conversation from a different lens. Mm. So the lens that I want to unpack with you guys today is, you know, you, all three of us, we're all about, let's not have a scarcity mindset, right? So there are good godly guys out there. However, the 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 black and white facts that we also have to acknowledge is that there are way more women in the church than there are men. And I remember years ago, my pastor in New York looked me in the eye and he said, the reality is, Kat, there's going to be, there's going to be thousands of millions of women who are awesome Christian women that really want to be married. And it's never going to happen for them if they want to marry a Christian guy, just based off numbers alone. That was very... Uh discouraging. Sabering. And so I want to, <laughs> yeah, right? I can we just say, like, we silent. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> My face right then. I'm like, um, <laughs> because yeah. So I want to let, I want to put that out there. What do you guys think of that? I think it's real. And you, I, I think there's a lot of things. I don't know how, which direction we want to go. I think, I do think one part of it is I think a lot of church and church conferences and certain things that churches do have been built a little more for females than for men. And I, I do actually see that a lot. And uh, I think somehow there's multiple facets of that that I think need to be shifted. But we have a lot of women's conferences, a lot of things that are like really women-friendly and women show up for it. (laughs) And we don't have things for guys that feel appealing to guys, you know, and we'll just leave that there. But I also see, and um, my brain is just spaghettiing right now. So I'm just going to say what it's thinking. Uh, I also see though, you know, and I hear a lot from Christian women, guys don't ask girls out. There is a reality. There's more girls in the church than guys. And I see that guys that are in the church are asking the same women out, the same women out. 
So there are guys asking girls out and it's the same girls. It's like 10% of girls at the church. And you have all these other amazing female girls that are amazing, eligible Christian women who like really know themselves and they're never being asked out. And that's another thing that I'm just going to put that in the so hat. <laughs> and no, I literally, you're backing the point and go, and don't forget also this. I'm about to go, and also don't forget this. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Now we're coming into a much more progressive state of the world, which i.e. LGBTQ plus movement. I don't know whether I want to open this can of worms up, but I will for a moment. Sorry, because this is on your podcast, guys. <laughs> Feel free to edit that. Um, <laughs> But I think also, as people are, are given more of an option to explore their sexuality, um, we're, we're navigating also a, a, a small percentage, potentially, of guys that have been, in, in quote, unquote, struggling with um, different ways of looking at their sexuality as opposed to just heterosexuality. So that's also another bracket that's coming into mm. equation um, in regards to the ratios of people that are ready to commit to us as women. Mm. Um, and... I mean, I'll probably touch a little bit more of this on my podcast. Like, so turning 40 was a real thing because I had guys who were 40 in the church looking at women that were 30 max. So oh, they, yeah. you know, so they yep. was like, they were happy to go with 10 year old, 10, not 10 year old. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Woo! That's a well, very different. I just started sweating. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, girls that are 10 years or more younger than them. So right. it's just, uh, that those are very sobering things that I think is actually creating more and more of this hopelessness. And then unfortunately we start to go, there are no good guys in the church Mm -hmm. where I go, actually, these are personal individual stories that are creating collective of things. But now we do have to start looking at, well, we have our desire to want to be married and have children, but what does that look like if we're looking at the statistics Mm. underneath a God that can do the impossible? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's something that I've been thinking about so much because I am the person you've listened to the podcast. You've seen my courses about, I am gonna thank God in advance for what God has yet to do. I am gonna claim Isaiah over my life that God loves doing new things. And when there are deserts, God loves to make streams. So I'm going to hold on to Romans 5, 5 that says, hope doesn't put me to shame. And can I also hold intention that dating in Christian culture for me often does feel like I'm on an episode of The Bachelor. There's one guy, (laughs) one guy who, if we're all being honest, is okay. (laughs) Yeah. But he's the one guy. And then there's 25 girls that are vying for his attention. Oh, and it can feel really hard for and and then for me when I feel like other girls are throwing themselves at guys I'm like I don't I'm not gonna mm-hmm. and also I'm when not you gonna do compete start, totally when you do start dating that guy that guy that has the following of 25 girls you then have to sit down and have coffees with all the other 24 girls that are <laughs> heartbroken devastated you taking away their fate and destiny Right. Who feel as though they had a claim yeah. on yeah. the said guy. Because the and then you're like, do I don't even know if I like him. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Can I yeah. give a real life, real Please example? Do. A year ago, you guys both know, we will not say his actual name, but I dated a guy who was my serious boyfriend. And this is exactly what happened. He was the guy at my church that every girl was like, oh, that guy, because he has a real job and he's really attractive <laughs> and he's tall and he goes to Bible study and he has a dog and that's all I'm going to say. And don't want to give away his identity, but 
I saw it in every girl. And his social security number is. (laughs) (laughs) But like, and he was like really charismatic and had great, was a great conversationalist and seemingly empathetic and like talked to women. We're like, you know, and I saw all these girls just as soon as they found out he was single, we're like, whoop. And like literally everyone, y'all. And I became one of those girls where I was like, I'm in the running (laughs) and I am going to win this race. Okay. And I did right, quote unquote. But like, I realized after later, when I come back to myself now, like a year later, I'm like, I attached to this guy, even though I saw that there were some yellow flags. And the reality part of it was that I thought I had the scarcity mindset of like, I need this guy before all the other girls get to him. And I liked the idea of what we would be together. And at the end of the day, he wasn't a great guy for me, but I wanted that. And here's the other thing is that, you know, then you have to deal with guys that have a lot of female, like lots and lots of female interactions. So it's just, there's that too. And they know, they kind of live in the identity that all the girls love them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you guys, I'm going to pose a few questions and then I'm going to ask you a pointed question. Okay. So Mm. here are some thoughts. Why do we judge people in the church for dating someone who isn't a Christian? However, if a married couple comes into the church and one of them isn't a Christian, there seems to be a lot of empathy. What do we do with the stories? I've, I remember when I was leading a small group at Hillsong, at least three of the married couples in my small group at Hillsong, who were also big leaders there, when they were dating their significant other, one of them wasn't a Christian. And then at some point, they one of them, the other one came, became a Christian. And sometimes that happened before they were married. Sometimes it happened after they were married. And these are some of the most godly couples I know mm. who are loving Jesus and living the way of Jesus. And then you have the couples who marry the person who is the godly man and they have the most godly relationship and then have a faith crisis post-marriage and stop walking with God. And so I could go on and on with things, but my question that I've been ruminating over, and I I say this, and I really do want to marry someone that loves Jesus. Like that is my heart. That is my intention. However, do you guys think it's a sin to date or marry someone who doesn't share your faith? Dang, what a question. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) I didn't think you were going to bring in the S word. I didn't think you were going to bring, do you think it's a sin? I was sin? like, do you think it's I a sin? Like, oh, I mean, dang. well, gosh. But that is, that is real. That has been the commentary, hasn't it? On, yeah, there's definitely a, I, I mean, I've, I've done both. I've dated, obviously, people that love Jesus. I've dated, I've dated Christians when I was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And I've dated, and the irony was I didn't want to marry an atheist. I wanted to marry a Christian, to which people went, you understand that doesn't quite work. <laughs> I think, honestly, I've been so much more enamored by, I don't think I can even answer that question of, is it a sin? I I don't think I, I don't think we have actually any biblical support to say sin. Mm-hmm. I think, I think we do have Paul saying, I wish, you know, to be wary of unequally yoked. Um, but that doesn't just mean that you're both Christians. Mm-hmm. I actually say that the unequally yoke goes a lot deeper. And I would say, how oh, dare I say it? I think there's actually a part of the, I'm always looking for the fruit of the spirit in yeah. someone, not just that they say they love Jesus. That's they it. That's church. it. Yeah. And if I don't see the fruit of the spirit in that guy, I don't necessarily go. And I often see, can see the fruit of the spirit in someone that says they don't, 
they're agnostic or they don't necessarily have a feeling for it. So I'd be much more enamored and connect much better with people that are living a life of nobility, integrity, joyfulness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. And so those are the elements to me that I'm like, I, I think we've got to be very careful of what we judge on other people's experiences and journeys, because actually I've, I've personally been going through a journey of really struggling with in the last eight years of dating Christians, I had a lot more kindness when I was actually dating people that weren't. Mm. And so that's been my journey where I'm at now. Of like, I need to heal from some of that actually. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to be very careful to, to not come across with that judgment. And yeah. we look at the Hoseas who were raised it, you know, rescuing uh, interesting choices mm. <laughs> of the one he saw and felt chosen and highlighted. You do see people. I mean, one of my girlfriends, she's, she married her guy, but on the first date, she made him do communion. Even though he wasn't like, Oh my gosh. That just makes me cringe kind of. I know, but it was like, but for her personality and who she was, it was kind of brilliant. And she ended Mm. up, they ended up marrying him. He loves Jesus as much as she does. It's kind of amazing. And I don't often hear, I hear a lot of, we were saying this earlier before we started recording. I see a lot of times when men actually uh, can, I like a John, John Bevere, Lisa Bevere situation where uh, a man will lead a woman into the journey of faith and she'll be inspired by that. I haven't seen many the other way around. Yes. Where the woman but, is led. Sorry, can I, let yeah. me interject there. Is Do that it. because we have a different expectation on Christian women than Christian men? So what, what I mean I by that is we have this idea in Christian culture that men are supposed to spiritually lead. So I, the, I remember the first time I dated a guy that wasn't a Christian and I mean, I fell in love with him and I was shocked that Mm -hmm. I, I I just had assumed you will never be able to fall in love with someone that doesn't share your faith. What a, what a small (laughs) mindset. (laughs) So here I am falling. I fell in love with this guy. He treated me better than any other Christian guy I had dated up until Mm -hmm. that point. Maybe besides one, one. No, I'm going to caveat that. He he treated me better than all but one guy. Mm. He had integrity. He <clears throat> honored my boundaries. He treated me like a queen. He pursued me. He, he was so... He loved how much of a powerful woman I was. And mm. it was interesting because I was friends with my ex at the time who dated non-Christian girls all the time. Mm. And he said, Kat, you're sinning because you're dating a guy that's not a Christian. Wow. And I said, well, why are you allowed to? And I'm not. And he said, well, I'm supposed to spiritually lead. And wow. so it makes more sense as a man <laughs> that I could date and marry someone who isn't share my faith. And that is wow. just one story, mm. but I see it over and over again. So we don't judge guys as much when they're dating guys that don't, when they're dating women that don't share their faith. But it's like my girlfriend in the same community mm. was told to step down from leadership because she was dating a guy that wasn't a Christian and now they're married. And her husband is the best guy I know. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is the best guy I know. Mm-hmm. So much integrity and he's on his own journey with God. And so... I know even having this conversation is opening up a can of worms, but I just thought my whole life that it was, or my whole Christian life, it was such a sin. Mm. And I get asked that all the time. Is it such a, is it a sin to marry someone that's not a Christian? And I'm like, I don't think so. Maybe it's wisdom we're talking about, but 
Yeah. So I know I'm going off course a little bit, but the idea I was trying to share is I think guys are held to a different standard than women when it comes to that. I can hear that. I think where my perspective goes is, you know, into a can of worms of then what is the point of marriage? And we have to define marriage to figure out like, is it a sin? Um, I, I honestly think we throw around the S word way too much on things. And I just think that can create shame, like, and, and unnecessary rules where there just needs to be more nuance. And I just think I want to caution just like throwing, is it a sin? Is it the wisest to your point, Kat? Like, let's, is it the wisest for me and what God's calling me to in my life? Um, for me, I actually am open to dating a non-Christian potentially like going on dates. Um, but I would more so form a friendship with that person. This is just my perspective. Uh, and I, I, I personally, and I, I don't know, but personally where I am today, this could change. I wouldn't marry a non-Christian. This is me personally. Uh, but I would definitely be friends and, and be open to what God may do. That's just, that's what I feel in my heart in this moment. But I want to speak to the fact that I agree with you, Carrie. Like I have dated, talked to you, been friends with guys that are non-Christian. Mm-hmm. A person in my family is falls in this category. And the fruits of the spirit are real. Like the fruits of the spirit in their character mm-hmm. are so there. And I've also, I mean, my story is that I dated somebody a long time ago who worked at a church, talked all the Christian talk, knew the Bible verses and was an abuser. Right. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't and behind closed doors, did not walk the fruit, had didn't have fruits right. of the spirit in his life. Right. He was completely abusive. And just walking the Christian, the Christian resume does not mean you are truly Jesus like. And I actually believe so much so that you can be Jesus like and not a Jesus follower. <laughs> you know, right. like you can be like Jesus yeah. and not really know Jesus, <laughs> hence mm-hmm. the fruits of the spirit. And so that's where this is a very difficult conversation because I have in fact dated lots of guys that walk and talk the Christian talk, but yet in their hearts, Mm -hmm. they're not actually becoming like Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you, what are you thinking, Carrie? I see you percolating over there. Yeah. It's one of those things because I, I think, and I've always had to be careful about when I'm sharing, especially publicly, I have to be so careful about what I'm, I'm very aware that people listen to what we're saying and really hold weight. And it's beautiful to yeah. be given that and a, and a privilege to be given that space to speak into other people's lives. I think I've, I've, in the last year, I've, I was dating in quotes, dating a guy because we never actually made it official. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was Jewish and I was obviously a Christian and Probably after the second date, he went, oh gosh, you and I are going to hurt each other. And I was like, no, no, we don't. We don't get to hurt each other at all. What are you talking about? You know, I was like, I I don't want to hurt you. And he said, no, I know, but we're just, you know, I have to marry someone that's Jewish. Mm -hmm. And um, you're a pastor. (laughs) So so that was a very real thing. But we, we had so much... And I wouldn't, I don't get easily swayed by chemistry. I would mm-hmm. say that just because, it, you know, I've done 20 years of dating now. I've done enough experience to kind of know what <laughs> You've works. You've put in your 10,000 hours. Exactly. <laughs> I've become a master at dating mm-hmm. on some level. And so one of the things that uh, he obviously, so therefore sexual ethics, he really, he really understood sex. He never tried to push the envelope. He never tried to uh, exceed boundaries. He understood all of that. Um, and 
yet he has been probably one of the most redeeming experiences of my life mm. um, because he really loved who I was and really loved, he really saw me. He wasn't intimidated by me. He wasn't, he was neither here nor there about um, any sense of intimidation. We'd giggle if I got too serious, would always bring me close if I was scared. There were just so many moments that mm. he really did know how to love someone. He did family beautifully. His family was so wonderful with mm. me wow. and just was so embracing regardless of where I was at. And I felt so non-judged, so non-analyzed by him um, that it actually, his kindness actually made me go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was like this you know? And so with that, you know, obviously we, we had to make a decision to sort of part ways because, oh gosh, it was just, we, you know, we were crying on it going, gosh, this is like Romeo and Juliet, the Capulets and the Montagues can't be together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I said to him, when I wrote a letter saying, I've got, you've got no idea how redeeming you've been. And thank you for coming into my life. Do I think that everyone needs to go on a redeeming story with an unbeliever? No, I mean, uh, we were different. We both believed in God, but obviously yes. he, he was a, he wasn't a messianic Jew. He was a Persian Jew that were like, no, we, you'd have to renounce Jesus. So I'm like, mm. well, that, that's a shame because he's the most kind of consistent, steadfast friend in my life. I can't really get rid of my best friend. <laughs> yes. So, um, so there were, there were definitely things that I learned an awful lot from the Jewish race and, and had a deepening understanding of relationship and family and community that I think sometimes we don't do a brilliant job at, honestly, as Christians. Yeah. Um, wow. but I, so I was very inspired, but equally, um, I think when you really respect each other, you really are caring for each other's hearts an awful lot more. And I just felt that that was very redeeming for me. Having said that, there is a layer of your own Christianity and faith that is, it, it, it is sad to not be able to share it. And when I've had friends that have married, um, they had to go in with a conscious decision that they weren't going to hope that their spouse yeah. would become a believer because yes. if they, if they entered into the marriage with that, it's no different to, well, hopefully he'll stop drinking. You know, right, exactly. you right. know? That's so good. And so the, there's got to be an acceptance there. And equally, I had a friend that she was 78. She lost her husband three years before this point and she'd been married to him for 40 years. Mm. She and her friends were praying for 36 years of their marriage that he would become a believer. But, and I said, how on earth, just if you don't mind me asking, how did you guys do a relationship with each, each other? And she said, honor. We both really honored each other. And so I would say I've seen more honor sometimes because they've had to in- intentionally choose the honor mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. unequally yoked relationship. I've seen more fruit come from that than I have of two believers they came together and like you, we both been saying, you know, there's, there's been toxic behaviors behind mm. it. So yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I, I, I know if you have differences in your faith and your outlook, that creates a lot of different codings that can create, can, that can cause friction. I think that's why Paul was talking about the unequally yes. aged. Mm. Um, and there's nothing more beautiful than praying with a person that you're in love with. There's nothing more stunning than to be able to like share prophetic and all these different things, the different nuances and colors that you have of faith to be able to share that with your partner is just glorious. Mm. Um, so I, that's the same for all of us. We'd like, that's, that's our ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, but also you just, you know, God can speak through a donkey. So you just <laughs> don't know <laughs> yeah. at what point these people come into your lives. And, and, and for me, that's been I I had my cabinet around me the whole time that I was dating this Jewish guy. 
And um, everyone was like, actually, we, we do feel the Lord on it. And I don't know why we're saying this, but we do. Yeah. And these were like yeah. my spiritual leaders. These were yeah. mentors. They were yeah. people that really actually did believe mm-hmm. in exactly that that thing of like, oh, you want to ma- make sure you marry a Christian. But I think they'd yeah. seen my life for so long. Yeah. They were like, no, this guy's doing something different for you. And you're doing something different for him. I think you're bringing up something just really quickly that I think if you are going to date a non-believer, also know your intention. Are you doing it because this is your opportunity to change them, convert them, like, and control them, you know, like, and I will say that that's like, whether it's from me dating a non-Christian or just me dating somebody who's not very self-aware, I'm like, Ooh, I will help them become Mm self-aware. I will help them. I will be their personal therapist basically. Mm -hmm. And so what is your intention? Cause what it sounds like for you, Carrie, like you had, you know, who you are, you respected who he was and his faith belief system. And you're not trying to make him and he wasn't with me. And he actually said, there's no, even if you started to even think about it, there's no way that I'd let you because, Mm. because this is you, this is absolutely your life. This is the things that I see behind your eyes. I know is Jesus. And so that in itself, I I wouldn't even let you go there, which for me felt again, the honor piece, the respect piece. It was like, that's phenomenal. Mm. I think what's so interesting about this conversation is just that we're giving ourselves the permission to have it. You know, it's yes, we're the three of us are leaders. And I think it's so easy from a pulpit or from a stage or from a mic, a podcast mic to say, to give a blanket answer for all people at all time. Don't marry someone that doesn't share your faith and worldview. It's a sin. It's that's more preachable. It's harder to live. Right. And I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not committed to a campaign to convince people to date people who don't share their faith. I do think having a shared faith and worldview is so core in our relationships. However, what I want to do is just have the conversation of, is it possible that for different people, God could be doing a different thing? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the answer for me there is yes, because I've seen it. I've seen my close friends who Mm -hmm. got in the perfect godly relationship and the their spouse completely walked away from their faith and and then they're not together anymore. I have the other friends who got married, waited until marriage to have sex. Now one of them's a Christian and one of them isn't. I've yeah. seen the relationships where one was a Christian and one wasn't a Christian and then they got married and the other person had a, a God moment. I've dated the guy like you, Carrie, who wasn't mm. a Christian and my pastors, my leaders, my mentors, we were all fasting and praying about it and they mm. all were on the same page that God was doing something. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I just more so want to bring nuance into the conversation of not, I'm not saying, Oh, this is my truth and we should just all live our truth. And now you have a hall pass to date whoever you want, whenever you want. But what is it to be mindful? What is it to not judge someone else's journey because you don't know what God's doing or speaking to them. What mm-hmm. is it for you to be listening to the spirit and walking out in honor? Um, so those are the, those are the questions and those are the why behind why I bring that up. I love um, it. So I love you guys. Thanks for I being a you. safe space to have conversations like this. I yeah. appreciate you guys so much. Always. Love it. Thanks for having this conversation, Kat. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Thank you so much for joining another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. And, you know, these are questions that I've wanted to process through with you for a while, because as much as I am the person that says, yes, there are awesome godly guys out there, I realized that for me, sometimes that can feel dismissive to the reality of dating in the church and the very real reality that there are simply more women than men. It just felt important to me to hold space and acknowledge that and have a conversation around that. Just another thing about Should I date someone who is or isn't a Christian? I think something that I've really been processing through with my community and with God is, am I not dating someone who isn't a Christian because I actually have a conviction about it or because I'm afraid of what other Christians will think of me? I'm afraid of what my mentors will think of me. I'm afraid of what my pastors might think. And I got to be honest, (laughs) and maybe this is part of my personality type, Enneagram 3, although I don't think that we are enslaved to our Enneagram types, but I can be really driven by the approval of others. And I just wonder, what is it for me to approach this conversation from an honest place? Man, yeah, I really do want to be with someone that shares my faith. And also, God, what are you doing in this unique moment, in this unique time? We see people and couples like Ruth and her first husband in the Old Testament, and they did not share a quote-unquote faith. They didn't believe in the same God. Again, like I said in the conversation with Kate and Carrie, I'm not here to campaign for date whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want. It doesn't matter what they do or do not believe. I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying, let's be curious about the why and how behind how we're showing up in dating and behind who we are choosing to or choosing not to date. Is it possible that God could have different stories for different people? So I will leave you with that. And I cannot wait for next time. One more thing is to be sure and check out Kate's Heart of Dating podcast and Carrie Lloyd's Carry On podcast because we basically recorded all these podcast episodes in one day. And then we thought it'd be super fun to each have one conversation on each of our podcasts. So if you want to hear the continued conversations, be sure and check out their podcasts.